Please be seated. Welcome. Good to see each and every one of you and you guys live streaming, watching us from your homes. We are so thrilled to have you. My name is Jeff, one of the pastors here. We're in the midst of a series, uh, Best Christmas Ever, and Kyle had an awesome message last week about Joseph Condor will be sharing Christmas Eve, and I get to talk to you as well. Um, one of the things that's so interesting, kind of challenging. Uh, Christmas season, it's like, yeah, I think I've heard those stories before. But you know, I wonder if we have a different set of lenses thinking about, we'd call it the Christmas story, the biblical story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the lenses of 2020. A year we will remember forever, all of us will. I think it's fair to say that all of us uh, for all of us, 2020 had many unexpected, unanticipated events, situations for all of us. For some, it's been filled with deep disappointment. I can remember hearing um, some of our graduating high school seniors, some of our Grace, I know, I know Grace students, graduates hearing, oh, there's not gonna be commencement in May and June, whatever it was going to be. And that is so disappointing. I also know of some couples who had and went ahead and had their weddings during COVID season. And instead of having 300 people, they had about 25 or 30 people, not what they had anticipated or expected. So I'm sure that you can think of things, all of us can think of things in our lives. I mean, there are many people, uh, being a grandpa like I am, who did not get to be with their family for Thanksgiving. That's heartbreaking if that's such an important, valued part of your whole year, building traditions with your kids, with your grandkids. Unexpected, unanticipated year, right? And in some ways, really, really disappointing too. But then there's another category of people. You may know some, and some of you may be some of these people who 2020 was not just a year of disappointment, it was a year of heartache and loss. Literally a year of shattered dreams for your year, maybe even beyond this year. Severe, severe illness, death of family members and close friends, small businesses that literally have existed for decades, closed, unemployment, isolation from people we love most. Some of us who have parents, some of you have grandparents in assisted living that you couldn't see, in our case with my parents and mother-in-law for an entire year. That's rough, that's painful. Well, this morning we're gonna be talking about a young woman. Um, she lived in the first century. I think you're gonna figure out who this is. She lived in the first century. Most think she was somewhere between the age of 12 and 16. She was a Jewish young woman living in this tiny little town called Nazareth. And I would imagine she had dreams. I'm sure she did. By the way, her name is Mary. She was engaged to a godly man named Joseph. And in that day, for a young Jewish woman to be engaged to a wonderful follower of God, she probably was envisioning her home, establishing her household, having children, 
Having a life that would be hard, filled with hard tasks, but having a life that would have been very, very fulfilled for her with this wonderful man who loved God as well as she did. And yet, if you think about it, we tend to think about the kind of the end of this story, but as you think about it, about it Mary's life at least for a while was completely flipped upside down. And maybe some of those dreams, some of those things that she had thought about what her life would be like was absolutely changed. And you know, this time of year, we think about 2020, maybe your life is really different. You know, there are some who say, you know, it wasn't really that bad of a year just because I was able to work from home and nobody lost their job and nobody that I know got the virus or died. And, and praise God, that's wonderful. God bless you and them. But that is not the story of many, many people. It's been a brutal year for a lot of people too. So one of the things that God seems to be the master of is bringing the unexpected into the life of his child. Amen? He does that. And he does that a lot. And there's so many good things that can happen. They don't feel good. Certainly at the time they don't, but there's so many good things that can happen, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when life feels like it's been really flipped. When life feels like I have little to no control when it seems like your dreams of the year and beyond have been literally shattered. But so often, God has meant it for good, for good, for you and for his glory. And to me, that is so much this story, this incredibly familiar story, but I hope this morning, this real life account of this woman, this young woman, teenage young woman, who loved God, probably had a plan and a dream for her life that God literally turned upside down. But there's something unbelievably great about what he does. Luke chapter one, if you have your Bible, would you turn there with me, please? We'll, we'll have the verses up on the screen as well. But Luke chapter one is, uh, is our passage this morning that we'll be sharing together. So I'm gonna pick up in verse 26 of Luke chapter one. We read these verses. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, Elizabeth, Elizabeth is introduced to this story as well. Some of you that know the first part of Luke chapter one, know the story is about this older couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest in the temple. Elizabeth was his wife. We find out that Elizabeth also was a relative, a close relative of Mary, but would have been decades older than her. 
Elizabeth and Zechariah were not able to have children. And that was undoubtedly a, a very painful and difficult experience that they had. Those of you that know that first part of Luke chapter one know that Gabriel, the same angel that came to Mary, first went to Elizabeth and introduced, and, and also Zechariah, actually to Zechariah, and introduced to him the fact that they would get pregnant, that they would have a child. That child would not be the Messiah, but he would come in great power of God, and his name would be John, who we know became John the Baptist, who had an amazing ministry called the Forerunner of Jesus. Six months had passed, and now that same angel, Gabriel, goes and appears to Mary. Now, a couple of things that I notice here is uh, how Gabriel addresses Mary. Did you, say, did you see that he calls her highly favored? Highly favored. Now, I need to talk about that because, as some of you would know, there's been a little confusion about who Mary is and who Mary was. Let me begin by saying Mary was not perfect. She wasn't. Highly favored, the word favored here is the same word for grace. And so what this angel is saying to Mary is, welcome or hail you who are the recipient of grace. Not the bestower of grace, as some I think believe, but the receiver or the recipient of God's grace. And then he goes on to say, the Lord is with you. Now, what strikes me so much about what's going on here is how Mary responds. Did you see that it says Mary was greatly troubled by this greeting? Hey, to be called favored one, Lord's with you, that sounds pretty good to me. But her reaction, her response, part of it may be because angels are scary in the Bible. Did you know that? I mean, you look around a lot and when angels appeared, nobody just said, oh, isn't he cute? Oh, that sweet little cherub. No, you don't see that. Most people are fearful. Some people fall on their faces. Some people freak out. I mean, that's what happens with angels. I don't know who thought up the little cherub angel thing. I'm not sure where that comes from. Because that's not what we read about angels in the Bible when they appear to people. But it says that, and I think we need to believe that the perplexed, the terrified response of Mary was more about the greeting, recipient of grace. Now, I, I got a couple, I'm calling them lessons. I have three lessons I think we can learn from the life of Mary that I think are very relevant to our lives. And I wanna give you the first one here in just a moment because I think this is very relevant to all of our lives. It's about the fact that we are called by God. All of us have a calling from God. And the right response to our calling is to to feel that I don't deserve this calling in my life, God. Or in other words, it's the response of great humility before God. Mary is being called by God. This angel interrupts her life, her probably planned life, her thoughts about, oh, I'm so excited about my life. And the angel come and just comes and interrupts that. Did you know that we all, if we're children of God, have a calling 
Did you know that? It's so sad to me that a lot of people only wanna use this idea of being called by God for people who are vocational ministry people, like pastors or missionaries. Oh, they're called, they're called to ministry. But this idea of God's calling in my life means that God has a purpose and plan for my life that glorifies him. Do you think all children of God have a calling from God? You better believe we do. We do. God has called us to take the gifts, the abilities, the opportunities, the experiences of our lives and live them for his glory. He does. I wonder if you think of your life that way. If I think of my life that way. You know, we kind of have this thing of, oh, I guess I'm just supposed to live kind of a normal life. And we have other people, this is sad when this happens, but we can have other people tell us what our life should be and how to map out our lives. Sometimes those are parents. Sometimes those are other people that are close to us. And yet often we will not even think about, God, what do you want for my life? What is your calling in my life? And you know what I have found over and over again? As I talk to people who love Jesus with their whole hearts, sometimes it is strange. <laughs> sometimes it is not entirely normal. Why? Because, oh, because it doesn't fit the American dream. You know, my grandpa was a firefighter, my dad was a doctor, my so-and-so, therefore that's what I'm supposed to be. Is that what God says? I mean, I don't mean to be rude in asking that question, but what matters is what has God called you to be? What has God called you to do? And my friends, here's my point that sometimes that is different and doesn't feel normal to other people around you and me. Mary was called and she said, I don't deserve. You see that, that phrase where it talks about how she was greatly perplexed, greatly troubled, I think is the NIV translation. Super intense word in the original language. She was freaked out emotionally by what he was saying. And so one of the things that I just see in Mary is, as I look at this passage is this incredible humility that she had. She was a servant of Christ or, and, and of Jehovah in her, in her thinking. She was a servant of God. That's who she was. There are three, let me just give this to you real quickly. If you wanna jot these down, wonderful. But there are three principles when I think about my calling that just really are super helpful for me to remember. So let me give these to you quickly as well. Here's, here's the first principle. I, I didn't earn my calling or I don't earn my calling. What do I mean by that? I think, this is, I think this is how we can view life, even as Christians. And that is, well, if I get enough education, and if I get enough experience, and if I get enough of this and get enough of that, then God will say, you're ready. Now I'm gonna call you to something. I don't think it works that way, personally. I think God already has a plan and a purpose for our lives as his children. Do I think preparation, experience, that stuff can be helpful? Absolutely. 
But it's not like we build our resume and then God calls us to something because we've achieved a certain level. Now he says, okay, I think you're usable. Often, those of us who have accomplished a lot are the least usable for God, amen? Because we're so full of ourselves. Because we think, okay, God, first round draft pick here, come on. What are you doing? Oh, man, I can be so guilty of that. And that's not who he typically uses the most, right? It's people like Mary who were just like, why are you why are you choosing me? Why are you talking to me? Because she was so humble in her spirit. What a beautiful thing that is. And my friends, that is the kind of heart that God just loves. Because then he can use us in great ways. I didn't earn it. Let me give you a second one. We don't always recognize our calling. We don't always recognize it. You know, it's like, well, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, and my dad said I better go to, if he's gonna pay for my college, I better go to law school, and I've always, and we kind of do this, you know, I'm fifth generation family business, I hate this business, but I better do it. I mean, just different ways that we assume what our life purpose and plan is, void of what God is doing in us. We can be guilty of that, right? We really can. So sometimes we don't recognize it. Have any of you ever said, hey, to your parents would be one, or to some other people in your life, hey, we were thinking about quitting our jobs and raising support to go to the mission field. What? What? Well, God has just been speaking to us for the last year, and we are just so burdened that even though I have a nice income, we obviously have a nice house, do, 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 pay off school debt, you know, that's a big one. I think God's calling us. And it's like we've been wrestling because we knew that it would be scary to tell you we think we're going to go do this. Or in our church, which happens all the time, we're thinking about fostering. God is just burdening us to adopt some kids. Some of you who have said that, I'm sure you've had people say, are you sure? Are you sure you're gonna do that? Why? Because it sounds so unbelievably hard. Your life is pretty good, pretty stable, pretty safe. And it's like, yeah, God's not always into stable and safe. In fact, I think God is rarely into that. We call that his rich blessing. Sometimes it's we're so passive and apathetic, we don't get used very much by him. Seriously, that can be the case. Here's my point, my friends. God's call in our life often is something we don't recognize or we think it's some fleeting thought and crazy. And yet it may be absolutely the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking clearly to us. Let me give you a third principle that I think is important too about as we recognize our calling. And I'll just say it this way. Humble people use the word deserve very differently than entitled people. I praise God. I am a citizen of the United States of America. But I think you may agree with me that woven into the very DNA 
of our lives is our rights and our entitlements. It just permeates who we are. It does. And for me, one of the greatest challenges, battles, wrestling that I have with dying to self, taking up my cross and following Jesus Christ fully is to die to my entitlement. It is incredibly hard. I guess another word for it is selfishness and self-centeredness. Kind of the same thing. What do we deserve? Seriously? But God in his mercy and God in his grace often chooses to just pour out his blessing. And it may not at the moment feel like blessing. <laughs> it may not at the moment feel like something amazing that he is doing. Because often we have to choose obedience and it's a hard obedience. It's almost a brutal obedience that we have to choose to trust him and follow his calling. And I think Mary embodied that, not because Mary was perfect, sinless, any of those things. She was just a humble, godly, young Jewish woman who was open and receptive to what God was calling her to do. And if I could pray anything for all of us, that would be the prayer. That we just say, Jesus, I am yours whatever you want for me, you call me to, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. And for some of you, because 2020 has been brutal, I don't know what that might look like for you. But I think that's his call. I believe very deeply that's his call in all of our lives. So that's what we see in Mary her calling, and it was something she didn't believe she deserved or earned. The passage goes on in verse 31. It says this, for, this is the angel talking to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be, who will be born will be called the Son of God. I love this. I, look at the question she asks. Would this have been your question? <laughs> Maybe, but one thing I thought is, she didn't say, are you describing the Messiah? <laughs> are you saying I'm gonna be the mother of the Messiah, seriously? Because she goes in a lab, to elaborate uh, extent that Gabriel does to describe who this child is, to be crystal clear that this is the, the Messiah. And she just says, Okay, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now we see a couple things in her question, I, I do. First is, she must have realized that what he was saying was gonna happen, boom, immediately. Why do I say that? Well remember, she was engaged to Joseph, right? They were betrothed, it was the term that was used back then. 
the engagement or the betrothal period for a couple was a year, okay? It was more formal than the kind of engagements we tend to have. There was a commitment, there was like a vow. The couple did not live together, were not in the same home together, were not officially married yet, but at the end of that 12-month period, they became husband and wife, in, in every sense of the word. So Mary is, Mary obviously didn't think, okay, so we still got five more months in our engagement, whatever it was. I don't think the scriptures t- tell us that. We still have X number of months. So after that, get married, live together. I get pregnant. We have this baby. She didn't think that. She said, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. <laughs> like, this can't happen. And I think maybe it's a wonderful commentary on Joseph as well. (laughs) I do. That was her question. You know, it's it's interesting that uh, God's okay when we ask him questions. That's my, my second lesson about our calling from God, and that is sometimes we're confused we don't really understand. Is it okay to ask God questions, do you think? Yeah, it is. It is. But what is your motive and heart in asking, I think is an important question. In fact, if you go back to the angel's discussion or his announcement to Zechariah earlier in chapter one, Zechariah asked a question, and he got in trouble. He did, didn't he? In fact, he couldn't speak for nine months until John was born. So that caused me to think, why was Mary's question okay, and why wasn't Zechariah's question okay? And I think I have a thought I want to share with you. So here's what happened in verse 18. It's up on the screen. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Does that sound like doubt to you? It really does. How can I be sure of this? I know you're a spokesman of Jehovah God, but I'm not sure that I believe you. That's what he got in trouble for. And so even even the book of Job, even so many of the Psalms, And if you read the the major and minor prophets in the Old Testament, you'll see all kinds of questions that these godly people had for God. And yet, apparently, we can ask God, we can cry out to God, we can even ask why. He often doesn't tell us why. But we're not supposed to doubt his word. We're not supposed to doubt his truth. If God says it, it's true. And we embrace that and we believe that and we cling to that, even if we don't like it, even if we don't understand it, even if it makes no sense, it's God's truth. So I think that's the difference between Mary. She is not questioning, she is not doubting, she's questioning, but she's not doubting, whereas Zechariah doubted God. Confused. Why is that? Because 
often God's ways are almost 180 from our ways. They are. And so I think that's why you and I just need to to be students of this book because what we hear through the media and certainly through social media is often, often diametrically opposed to this truth that he's revealed to us. It is. My friends, commit to 2021 being a year that you read your Bible consistently. Can I ask you that, to consider that? Whether it's daily, whatever it is, just, Lord, I wanna be in your word because I want my mind to be filled with your truth. It is one of the best things you will ever do is fill your mind with God's word. And it may even create questions, and that's okay. But he wants us to believe. He's called this son, we know who is Jesus, is called the Holy One to be born. You know, I'm gonna take just a quick minute and share with you why the virgin birth, actually it was the virgin conception and birth, is considered one of the major tenets, one of the major foundational doctrinal truths of all of Christianity. Why it's such a big deal? Because it is a big deal. Two quick thoughts, let me give you these. Hopefully these are helpful. Jesus was not created in the womb of Mary because God the Son existed as part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? From eternity past, Jesus was not created in the womb of Mary. He already existed as God the Son. And so part of this incredible, miraculous mystery of the virgin birth was to preserve the personhood of God the Son. Second thought is that everyone else who has ever been born, though Adam and Eve were initially born without a sin nature, but then had a sin nature because of their disobedience, inherits a sin nature. And yet Jesus was perfect, sinless. And so another part of the miracle and mystery of the virgin birth it preserved him from having a sin nature. That's why it's such a big deal. Because the very person of Christ enabled him to still be fully God and fully human without sin. And those of you that read doctrinal statements or recite creeds and some of those kinds of things kind of get that and understand that 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 is such a vitally important truth, the virgin birth and conception, because it preserved his personhood, God the Son without sin, okay? Let me, let me, uh, let me continue through the passage here. Um, by the way, I wanted to share one other quick thought, and that is the word overshadowed is here. You know, when she says, How's it? and she wants to kind of know how this is going to happen, it's so beautiful the way Scripture says this, again, such a mystery how it occurred. 
But in my study, I saw that the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you and you will have this child. You'll become pregnant with this child. Do you know the word overshadowed here is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Shekinah? Some of you know the word Shekinah? The Shekinah of glory of God. The Hebrew word just means presence, the very presence of God. The presence of God appeared in the holy of holies in the temple of God. And so that's the idea. Something about the presence, the Shekinah of God was part of this whole virgin conception and birth process. Incredible, I think. I need to pick up verse 36. So, it's, so the angel says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The angel Gabriel gives Mary assurance. I think this is so awesome because I think God does this with us. He says, Mary, okay, I just want to let you know that God performs miracles, okay? Elizabeth is six months pregnant. She goes, are you talking about my relative Elizabeth? Is that who you mean? You know, she's kind of senior citizen status. You know that? Never been able to have kids. You know, it's been a real heartache for her. Yeah, six months pregnant. And it's almost like the Lord is using this as an encouragement to Mary to say, through Gabriel, again, I can do anything. And what I'm doing in you is something God can do. That's so awesome. And you know, one of the things that I believe so much, I have seen it so much in my life, my family, my dear friends, is you know, when we take a step toward our calling, when we take a step to embrace and be obedient to what may even seem radical in our lives, God gives us some applause. God says, you got it. I'm gonna sprinkle some blessing right there all over you because he loves when his kids take steps of obedience. He loves it. And I think in so many ways, when we think maybe we're doing something crazy and we say, oh, is this really of the Lord? Is this just some thought I had? You know, any of you wrestle with that? Uh, yeah, a lot. And we take a step and he affirms it. And we take another step and he affirms it again. It's like, okay, okay, Lord, thank you. And I think that's what the angel does. It's so incredible to me that the angel says, hey, I know you might be struggling, I mean, this isn't in the text, so I'm just assuming something like this. I know you might be struggling, but Elizabeth's pregnant. What? Yeah, God did that. And God could do this thing I'm telling you for you, okay? So that's my, that's my third lesson I wanted to mention to you, and it's the I'm convinced and I will obey. Lord, I'm convinced. I'm not convinced because I now have all the answers, I'm convinced because you've said it's true and I believe you. I trust you. I believe you. And that's what we see in her. Now, 
I need to wrap up here in just a second, but I thought a lot about this and I thought, so this all happened to Mary and now Mary has to get up and go live her life. And there's gonna be some tough stuff for her to have to explain, right? So here's some, I, I, I like to use this phrase, uh, obedience to God has a bittersweet nature to it. Obedience to God has a bittersweet nature to it. What do I mean by that? It's the best thing we can do. It's often incredibly hard. And people don't get it. When Mary said yes, I wonder if she realized that Joseph would probably divorce her. When Mary said yes, I wonder if she understood how the townspeople of Nazareth I mean, even if she had a really baggy garment, you know, how the townspeople of Nazareth would gossip and slander behind her back, maybe even to her face. When Mary said, yes, here's the big one, and had to tell her parents, and had to say, "Um, mom and dad, I got something I gotta tell you. I need you to sit down first. Do you see how often saying yes to God's call in our life can be bittersweet? Because it's the best thing we can do. But often people don't get it. People around us don't get it. And it may create incredible hardship and struggle and pain. It's never the path of least resistance to be all in with Christ and to embrace your calling that he's called you to. Mary's a great example. She wasn't perfect by any means, but what a beautiful, beautiful heart she had and a willingness to just believe God. And God blessed her incredibly because of that. She got to be the mother of the Messiah. Here's a final just summary thought that I had, and that is, because I was talking about shattered dreams in 2020 for maybe some of us. Shattered dreams can be more than I could have ever dreamed (laughs) regarding God's plan for your life. When you thought your life was almost over, you were so devastated. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job. And then God just does something incredible. beyond your wildest imagination, beyond your dreams. Just like he did to Joseph in the Old Testament. His brothers threw him in a pit, wanted him dead. He becomes the man that Pharaoh uses, this is in the book of Genesis, to be able to feed the world. And he said to his brothers, you might have meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And so my dear friends, Maybe we can say that about 2020. A lot, of, a lot of things that felt pretty evil, pretty disastrous, and there were. But what does God want to birth out of that for you, for me, as we anticipate this, this new year? You know, one thing, God does not necessarily work on the calendar year. Did you ever notice that about him? He doesn't say, okay, 2020 is over in 11 days. New plan. 
But I think we can be hopeful and maybe more hopeful and more passionate about pursuing his calling in our lives 11 days from now when we start in some ways which may feel like a new opportunity. I want you to pray about that. And if I could pray anything for you, and I will, it's that you would want to passionately, passionately follow your calling that God has given you. Sometimes our callings are seasonal. Do you know what I know by that? I mean by that? My life as an empty nester with my wife is different than my calling when I was in my 20s and in some ways even in my 30s and 40s. Because sometimes God says, I got a new assignment for you. Boom, here you go. But to pursue what he wants and has for us, whatever season we're in, I really don't think we're supposed to kick back and do nothing till Jesus comes or until we die. I don't think that's even an option for the child of God. What is your calling? And would you say, Lord, help me to embrace it with my whole heart because I want to glorify you in it. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this incredible example of this woman of God. And that's what she was, certainly a humble woman of God, a woman who loved you, a woman who said yes to you, even with what probably were some consequences and incredible misunderstanding. And yet, Father, you used her. And Lord, I I pray for my dear brothers and sisters here this morning, even as we think about how hard 2020 has been. And yet, I feel, Lord, there's no doubt that for maybe all of us who name the name of Jesus, it's been a year of evaluating our own hearts and our own commitment to you. And look at, looking at some of the areas in our lives that, uh, that have been pretty ugly and pretty disobedient. So Father, I pray for each one of us that we would embrace our calling, that this, this purpose, this plan you have for our lives that brings glory to your name. And may we be faithful to that. May we long for that. Lord, may we even pray for that every day. Lord, what today do you have for me to do that is part of your call, your plan in my life so that you are glorified, so that the name of Jesus is lifted up and exalted. Father, that's our heart. And I just pray that we would see your fruit as a result of us being like Mary. We're your servants and we will walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.